there's like a, a Air Force fight song or something, right? Or like a, like a, like a here we go. Off we go. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. it. That's right. So it, I'm, I'll have to find a, I'm sure there's like a public domain version. Oh, to right? play in a lot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Right? I will, I, since we were recording, I will not sing it for you right now. I'm, the <laughs> we might have to get the record. Right, right. So, hey, I'm here at Houston Christian uh, with Travis Koch. I'm super excited to come talk to you. Um, and I'm excited to come talk to you specifically because I love sitting down and talking with you. Um, but I'm also excited that you're a new face in the lacrosse world here in Houston, which is... Uh, it's rare. I hate to say that, right? There's a lot of retreads of a, you know us hanging around. So I'm I'm excited to see a new face and 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 to get your perspective. Um, remember Bob Wallace. Bob oh, Wallace yeah. is a is, one of the is, best. Is, yeah, the Wallaces are awesome. Um, remember Bob and I were going back and forth, and this was before you and I had had uh, coffee that morning. Okay. And. Uh, Bob was like giving me, he, he like had your CV in front of him. And he get to the end of it and in true Bob Wallace, just the voice, he goes, yeah, he's just your run of the mill, you know, jet fighter pilot, you know. It's <laughs> like, oh, all right. <laughs> cool. So that was my introduction to you. <laughs> Super. So how long have you officially been on the job? Here at Houston Christian. Hmm. Wow. So uh, I think nine weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so just retired from the Air Force, uh, got here. We have a son who's here. He's a freshman, and uh, he's actually a baseball player. <laughs> he, uh, we were never stationed anywhere where there was really a lacrosse presence. And so, um, uh, so but yeah, he, so he's on the JV baseball team. And uh, I'd done an internship here in the fall in my transition out of the Air Force um, and had met the athletic director and you know, we had talked a little bit right before, we actually went out to lunch right before the Christmas break and he goes, hey, I'm not sure our coach is gonna be able to make it to the spring based on some stuff that's come up. And so uh, that was, he's like, you know, what would you think? And I told him I would definitely consider it. And so uh, Christmas, New Year's, and we come back and it's the Tuesday after the holiday so it's like but it, but it was late you know de depending on how everything worked out and he goes what do you think uh, you know I go I'll take it and so I actually walk in the building uh, later that afternoon there, there was something that I came up for and I run into one of our players John Young actually he's a sophomore here and uh, he's a basketball player and my son played freshman basketball as well and John goes, hey, coach. And what, unbeknownst to me, the athletic director had sent out a note that announcing the new lacrosse coach. And I hadn't even known that it was public. One of those so, deals where you were looking around. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, huh, why is he calling me coach? So, but no, it's great. It's That's great. exciting. Well, and what's been, been fun for me, I hate to say that, but you and I kind of existed on this, this, uh, this coaching alone club, right? right. And we were... <laughs> And it was fun as the season got rolling to kind of, I mean, I, honestly, I appreciated you calling or me calling you and you kind of lifted me up like, hey, Michael, it's it's going to be all right, dude. You're going to get through this because <laughs> coaching on your own, man, it's a different world, right? right? So it's been um, in, in the Air Force, you say, hey, you're sipping from a fire hose is kind of how it's been. And so uh, when, when I took over, um, I didn't I, I didn't know the Houston lacrosse scene. I knew it was here, and I knew there was some uh, good lacrosse in Houston, but 
um, you know, I hadn't researched it. I didn't have a kid that was there yet. We right. have some friends that play SBMSA who had talked about it. I've got a, a first grader as well. And so um, long story short, um, Bob actually texted me about 20 names. <laughs> he goes, here's some people you need to get in touch with. And actually, the first guy that uh, I just sat down with uh, was David Cohn down in St. Yep. John's. And, and yeah. the coach um, was great. He actually had coached at Air Force and, and was an academy graduate as well. And so I reached out to him and uh, very grateful for him saying, yeah, we can meet for coffee you know, this Friday if you want. And so I sat down. I had a list of questions, you know, <laughs> very – you know, I mean, the, the entire gamut and, you know, from, hey, how do I schedule games to, you know, <laughs> what's, the, what's the phone number? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what's the best outfit? Are there referees? You know, I mean, some really high end, high end, in-depth lacrosse questions, you know. But see, what's all, so there's a couple of things that are that are awesome about that story. One is David in particular is a terrific resource. Yeah, yeah he is. Right. And he's and he's he's open and he's happy to help. Right, but the other thing that's so awesome is that list that you referred to, of of twenty people you should call. I feel like you've made your way down most of that list, probably, right? Right. So it was aggressive. So uh, you know, being an SPC school, we're not allowed to start really till the first Monday in the month of February, and so I found out about you know eight or nine days into the month of January, and so I had three weeks to you know, put a program together, uh, or, and, and not really put one together. Lacrosse has been here at Houston Christian, but um, to kind of cannonball in and figure out, okay, what is first? Which gator is closest to the canoe that I need to take on? You know, and then, and then, and then we'll start m making our way out. And so it was a great list of folks and um, very warm and welcoming. Um, you know, I think David was the first guy that I met with. I think I was on uh, uh, Pete Laley's uh, back porch for three hours later that weekend, um, just talking. And uh, um, uh, Kiernan came over. Um, you know, I just went and hung hung out with the uh, guys down at Lacrosse Unlimited. I you know <laughs> met with you. Um, you know, and 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 also put like an APB out for assistance because I mean it was single man single man rules yeah. and so um so did that uh, you know met with a bunch of alum that had played a bunch of great guys um but it um met uh called a bunch of the coaches that were here last year you know to try to pick their brain on hey what was in place you know not wanting to be the new guy and, and yard sale everything completely and so so it was about three to four weeks even once the first week of practice you know that continues and i'm um i'm still doing that more and more i met uh, Mike Donnelly yesterday uh, out at the field, you know, and I uh, feel like I knew him a little bit because of the podcast and listened to that and your guys' conversation. Um, but, but you know, just visited with him and said, hey, I would love to come down to Episcopal and have a cup of coffee and just pick his brain. I mean, he's, you know, you know him, uh, Laley, you know, all these guys that – so many of the guys that uh, you've interviewed and others – who are some of the patriarchs of lacrosse here in Houston. Yeah, so. what you find is all these guys, they all go back to that early, mid-'80s. They right. all played together, right? It's fun to listen, especially Donnelly, when I talk to him, to all the, all the stories, right, that he had to tell about back in the day, right? Um, yeah, the patriarchs of Houston lacrosse. Yeah. I like that. It is. I like that. Man, you and, – and, again, what's cool about that is you're – an older, more mature guy, right? So often we see 
No disrespect to the young coaches out right. there. There's some good ones. But so often you see these really young guys coaching, right, who don't have the sensibility of having been a parent or having had a career, <laughs> right, or having been, been a leader, right. right? So, man, what you just described, just parachuting in, was pretty sophisticated, right? Because, I mean, you purposefully went out and found folks to talk to, right, and, and, and reached out to former players and players and parents, right? That was – that's a pretty sophisticated effort. That's not showing up on the first day with a bucket of balls and a stick, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not going to say that I didn't do that on the first day of practice, okay? I'm not going to say that wasn't my, my plan. But, uh, no, it's been a real blessing. And so, um, so yeah, I don't know if uh, in terms of how I got here, I don't know if we want to jump in on that yeah, one. Yeah, we, 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 we we've got to rewind, right? Okay. So, so I, I know that you've got some lacrosse history, Right from back when you were at the Air Force Academy, right? And you may have been some. I assume you have some before that. Correct. I, I'm, I'm not even aware of it. So, yeah, let's rewind all the way back to the beginning and tell me about, you know, where you grew up, how you found the game, right? I'm always interested too to find out when, you know, in those early years, were you introduced to the game in a, in a structured sense with a, you know, a team and a league, right. or was it just unstructured play right. in, in the neighborhood, right? Sure. So. Um, you know, not to start at the beginning, but I was actually born here in Harris County. And so my dad uh, is a Houston, long life uh, or a lifelong Houstonian. He went to St. Thomas High School. He went off to UTEP and met my mom, who was a, um, my grandfather on my mom's side was a retired Air Force fighter pilot, actually. And the two of them met freshman year um, and moved back to Houston, uh, got married and threw anchor here. And so my dad graduated from University of Houston. He's a football player. He, you know, at St. Thomas, uh, he played um, football, basketball, baseball, you know, ran track. And then uh, when I was almost five, we moved to the East Coast. And so for the next about 15 years was the only 15 years that my folks were really out of Houston uh, was my rearing years all the way through grade school. I picked up uh, a lacrosse stick in fifth grade when we just moved to Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, started really uh, just throwing the ball against, against the wall. Uh, my sister was a freshman at Towson High School, and all of her, you know, the, the, these friends and these families that you come and cross with, they, you know, the, the saying was, hey, baseball players are a dime a dozen. Here, here's a lacrosse stick. And so, and I had, I had played baseball, you know, and basketball, you know, in, in grade school growing up. And uh, I was terrible. I was terrible with the stick. Um, I, I went to Cathedral, which is a little school off Charles Street. It's tucked uh, kind of right in between Gilman High School and Friends School. And so um, the church is huge, but the school is pretty small. But uh, play, played with guys there. Um, that are kind of that in-depth generational lacrosse families. And so the Raider Balls, which is a big uh, University of Maryland family. Danny and I were on the same team. We were both defensemen. I played defense because my stick skills were well below average against, you know, with most of the kids. Um, but um, just tons of great talent, young talent. Um, you know, we played we played, we got, we played Cockeysville, you know, I'm sure Cone and, you know, and those guys. It's just impressive, just the – um, the community that's there and there were you know every, everybody that coached us was around and so right. um, you know and they'd played and they were uncles and dads and and older brothers that would come out um, 
my dad and I would line the fields. That was our contribution. We weren't really, we, you know, we didn't have the lacrosse acumen at the time really to help with any of that stuff. But, but he was an engineer and he could draw a straight line. And turns out, you know, when you're a seventh, squared plus B yeah, squared equals C yeah, squared. When you're, seventh, <laughs> when you're a seventh or eighth grader and they let, he lets you drive the, you know, the, the car around with all the lime uh, in the back, it's like, hey, this is pretty cool, you know. So, um, but yeah, so. Yeah, it was structured on a team, but what so, I so starting off in fifth grade, you started playing organized. No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't start playing organized till sixth grade. But gotcha. in fifth grade, um, I think it was my birthday, which is in April. So in the spring, I got a couple of cross sticks. I actually wasn't at Cathedral in fifth grade. I was at a different uh, Catholic grade school, but it, um, but they didn't have a lacrosse program, and so. Um, but what I found out very quickly, going to clinics was I was about the worst, and so. Luckily, we had a house that had brick, you know, that was a brick house. And so, um, and then uh, we actually moved between 6th uh, and 7th uh, grade and got to another house that was a brick house. And so I think I put out probably six or seven windows, you know, in all of the time of just, uh, you know, beating a stick uh, or beating the ball across the, uh, across the wall. But you said you had a, a sister, right? I did. Older sister. Um, di didn't play lacrosse, played tennis. Um, and she was four years older than me. And so, um, you know, as a junior high kid, that's what you would do. You would go up and, you know, it, it, was, uh, it was public schools, but, you know, Boys Latin was there, uh, Calvert Hall, Loyola, all these schools. And actually, um, I was, I'd gotten into Loyola and I was gonna go to Loyola High School, um, but, then, but then we moved. And so I played uh, three years in Baltimore. Uh, we moved down to Northern Virginia, just outside of DC in uh, Vienna, Virginia at Oakton High School, which has become a really good lacrosse program. But when we showed up, it actually wasn't a sanctioned sport in Fairfax County. And so, um, so there were clubs. And my freshman year, Oakton fielded a club, and it was just a JV club. Um, and then my sophomore year, it was sanctioned, and uh, we had a varsity a varsity club. And so my stick skills were good enough, you know, coming from Baltimore where the coaches down there said, sorry, you're not going to play long stick, you're going to play midi. And so I started playing midfield and enjoyed it, had fun, um, good coaching, um, you know, good lacrosse scene. We had a couple kids that ended up going off and playing in college. And then my uh, junior into my senior year, and, and the whole time, you know, going to camp. So I went to Dickadell's camp, you know, between eighth and ninth grade at uh, University of Maryland, you know, went to UNC's uh, camp. Um, and, you know, and, and what's great, you know, one great thing about being on the East Coast and growing up there, if, if you're a lacrosse kid, is there's games everywhere, <laughs> every weekend. I mean, you know, we were five minutes from, um, you know, from seeing uh, – Johns Hopkins playing whoever, you're another five minutes the other way from seeing, you know, some of the best high school lacrosse in the country as well. And were, so, you, were you actively taking advantage of that? Oh, certainly, definitely. Oh, awesome. I mean, even at Towson High School, um, you know, there were, there were tons of kids that were going to Division One, And so um, even though my sister didn't play lacrosse, you know, we would go to the games. Uh, and, uh, and so – so it was great. When we got down to Northern Virginia, it was a little skinnier just in terms of the depth that was around there, but all the high schools were picking up. And so that's when uh, I played uh, some football and then uh, played lacrosse, played basketball as well. Uh, eventually got into box lacrosse how, down there. How did the, the quality of the coaching change from Maryland to Virginia? Just one wasn't deep. And so there's a guy named John Long who was my high school coach who was party one, you know, and he was running the varsity and the JV. 
you know, similar to a couple oh, guys man. that I know, you know, that uh, a varsity and a JV. Yeah, Holy you know, cow. and so, um, but we we would all practice. We would all practice together. Um, you know, both both varsity and JV would practice together. Some of the smaller kids, you know, you would just match up to make sure they didn't get squashed, whether they were you know playing defense or attack or something like that. So, what, what year was this? Give or take. Right. So I uh, we moved from Baltimore down to Northern Virginia in the summer of '87. And so I was there from 87 to 91, graduated high school in 91. And had some success, um, you know, regionally there at, as a, a junior. And I started getting some calls from some coaches. Um, and one was the Air Force Academy. So you didn't – so it wasn't until after your junior year that you started to think about a service academy? No. Well, that's about right. That's Is it about really? Right. I, I can't remember the timing when Top Gun came out, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my junior year, and I wasn't even really sure what the service academies were. You know, I used to think the Army-Navy game were soldiers and sailors putting on pads, getting out on the field. But while my grandfather was a fighter pilot um, in World War II, my dad um, wasn't in the military. And so we didn't necessarily have those military roots or the military knowledge. My junior year, I dated a young lady at Madison High School, which was our rival high school. And her dad and her two brothers, her dad was a grad at, from the Air Force Academy, and her two brothers were currently at the Air Force Academy. And so they visited with me about it a little bit. Uh, the movie Top Gun had come out. You know, I'd always been a Star Wars fan and was looking for my Millennium Falcon to zip around. Did and what, what role, you, you mentioned your high school coach was a, 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 a doing it solo, right? I mean, what role was he able to play did he get you recruited, or did he have a role? Was he – I mean, how did that work? There wasn't too much. You know, the, the coaches uh, that would visit with me asked for his number, and they gave him a call, and they visited with him as well. Um, you know, a few of the programs that I was recruited for were just smaller schools, and um, I ended up only applying to four schools, University of Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, Air Force Academy, and then actually UT. University of Texas, just because we have Texas roots as a family, right? So, um, so lacrosse wasn't necessarily something you were going off to college. You were like, "Oh, I'm part of my decision is a lacrosse decision." That's correct, because I'd gotten really most of my decision was a financial decision. Was um, you know, and the Air Force Academy is it's free, and so um, I had the numbers to get in. Um, I, had, I had the grades, student government, that stuff. And then the coach at the time was a guy named Chris Cicery. And Swiss said, hey, we want you to come out and we want you to play. And so uh, they, fl they, fl they flew me out for a recruiting trip. And it's spectacular. If you've never been to Colorado Springs, it's something to visit. Um, you just look around. You, you don't really catch it when you're on a recruiting trip of, of the, the benefits of the fourth-class cadet system, you know, and the, the rigor and all that stuff. But... Um, but when you look around and you get down on the field and you see the talent level of the guys playing, it's pretty impressive. Did your the the talent that you discovered at at the Air Force Academy? I mean, Service Academy kids are special kids. That's not a lacrosse kid going to Air Force Academy. That's a that's a Service Academy kid who's getting the opportunity to play lac lacrosse, right? It, I mean, it is now. You know, I think when I was there. The, the caliber of young men that are going, at least to the Air Force Academy, I, I can't speak for the other service academies, has, has improved, has increased. And they're just more, 
you know, well-rounded guys. I don't think we cared as much about our grades while we were there. You know, they do community service now. They do all sorts of stuff. I think social media might have increased some of that because, you know, if one program is doing it, everyone else is looking around. I think it's a good thing. I think it uh, makes those men more well-rounded. I've actually flown with a bunch of uh, Air Force Academy lacrosse playing uh, lacrosse players over the years, flown fighters, um, just left Alaska. We had some young men that were up there and were just tremendous, tremendous officers, tremendous airmen and good lacrosse players because the Air Force's program has improved over the years as well. So, but yeah, so that was uh, my senior year when I got really serious about the academy and, there, and it's, there's actually a, a two-prong application process. And so you apply like normal schools, but then you also have to get a nomination of some sort. And so the nomination comes from a senator or a congressman. And <laughs> I happen to have taken Congressman Wolf's daughter uh, to her homecoming dance at Madison High School. I'm not saying that helped. I'm not saying that helped. But, but uh, no, that was great. And so I uh, got a nomination and, and got accepted. You know, being a recruited athlete helped uh, get in. A lot of times uh, there might, uh, it might not be the sole reason you're going, but it can be what tips the hat in the direction of, of you getting into that institution. If you have all the other squares filled right. and, and, you're, um, and you're a recruited athlete, you know, a lot of times um, that'll help. Was your, was your experience there, was it any different because you were an athlete? Definitely. So uh, just the load. And so I graduated, I think, with 187 credits. I'm not sure what the normal load is for college students, but I think it, that averages over uh, 20 credits uh, a semester. So it's like, I think it's over 21. And so you're taking seven classes a semester, and these aren't, you know, they're aeronautical engineering and um, astro, um, some, some pretty high-level math type stuff. Just the core curriculum there is pretty high. And then you're, you are spending you know, anywhere from three and a half to four hours down on the fields. Now that is probably about two and a half hours on the field. It's an hour in the gym, and then you're hauling yourself back up. And so I was expecting to tell you, tell me, to have you tell me, yeah, the lacrosse team, we got to go, you know, cut class and go hide out in the, in the locker room for a few hours and chill out. I didn't expect you to say, yeah, I was taking 21 hours in credits. And, right. Uh, <laughs> well, some of that happened too. And so, you know, I'll tell you the friends that I made on the lacrosse team are lifelong friends. And, and some of it, um, you know, the service academies, <laughs> my wife went to SMU. And so this is the first time we were actually here this fall. We've been all over the country for the, you know, 19 years we've been married. But it's the first time we've been within driving distance of Dallas for her homecoming. And so we went up and there were parades and there were, you know, sororities and all this stuff. My freshman in high school was slightly wide-eyed, like, wow, this this, and, and I was too. I'm like, this was not my college experience, you know, when I looked around. <laughs> so uh, so it, it, it's definitely a different place. Any of those service academies are, are going to be different than most every other collegiate, you know, institution around the country. How was your – it's an interesting question, and this comes from my discussion with David Cohn, honestly, because I know a lot of what he does at St. John's, right, is designed around, I think, the cultures at these service academies. Right, um, I mean, you, your experience there on the lacrosse team, right? how was your experience on that team different than 
other teams? Is that, is that a legitimate question? I mean, were you, was there some kind of specific culture or something y'all developed or some way you developed it or organized your team that was different than others? Uh, you know, w when I was there, kind of what's happened over the past few years at Air Force, uh, it, it was not in place. But what I will tell you is when, uh, you know, there aren't many lacrosse teams around the country when you show up the first day, they all shave your head and then they all give you the same clothes and then they all make you walk in a straight line and you're not allowed to talk or you have to sit on the front third of your seat. And uh, when you do that with guys that you eventually end up loving because you're with them so much and you go through some of that, those trials and some of those challenges, you create a camaraderie that is lifelong. Uh, my, one of my best friends is coaching uh, one of the Paul VI uh, clubs uh, on the East Coast outside of D.C. And he calls it the, the, the six-pack of Coke rule, which means you might have friends in your life, and there might be some listeners out there that have this, but if any friend calls you and says, hey, I need you to drink, bring me a six-pack of Coke, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Go down to the store and pick up a six-pack. And if they go, no, seriously, man, I need you to get in the car, and I need you to drive me a six-pack of Coke. And I say, dude, you're 2,000 miles away. He goes, Travis, seriously. And you go, okay. I'm on my way. And then you go down 7-Eleven and you buy a six-pack and you start, you know, and you start driving down and, and whatever it is. And, and what I'll tell you is these guys that we played with, especially the senior class that I graduated with, um, I would do that for, you know, every one of those guys. And they do it for me too. And so it, it was definitely, uh, there were some benefits playing. You, you got to escape some of the challenges at the Surface Academy for those same three and a half, four hours. Right. And you're doing the thing that you love that you absolutely love, and you're doing it with guys that you love. And so that's spectacular. Um, <laughs> although, you know, there's this distinct memory. I'm, there's, uh, the athletic fields at the academy are, are, are lower than where the cadet area is. The majority of the cadet area is up on this hill. And there's this distinct memory I have, you know, in the middle of my junior year, just bruised and battered. I end up playing attack. That's another story we can talk here in a second. But I'm, I'm walking up the hill, you know, going up these stairs. And this, this uh, friend of mine who's a golf player, he comes bounding past me with his $400 driver, you know, brand new that he didn't pay a dime for, you know. And, and he waves, you know, no bruises on that guy. And we're going to, like, Lehigh, Pennsylvania. And, and no offense to the Long Island, but Long Island for spring break. And they're going to Palm Beach. And they're going to, you know, Hawaii for their spring break. And it was right then I go, I might have played the wrong sport, you know. I might Bad have career choice. No, I'm glad. I'm glad I, I played what I did. Tell, so tell me about your playing career there. Sure. So, uh, so I was recruited as a midfielder. I scored a lot uh, my senior year in high school, had a lot of goals, had a lot of assists, um, and then made the All-Virginia North team. And so, um, you know, here I am thinking, all right, man, I'm going to go do this in college. And I get uh, to D1 and turns out I'm the slowest kid on the field. I mean, absolutely. I think our goalies, I think both of our goalies were faster than me. And, uh, and so I get there and I play fall ball at midfield. And there, there I kind of saw the difference in some of the coaching that I'd been getting versus, you know, some of the coaching that some of my peers I, I could tell had getting. You know, I heard, um, who was it? Um, I think I can't remember exactly who said it, but they said, hey, we need guys that can catch and throw and they know where to go. And so f for me, that was a step up when I got to the D1 level in terms of really understanding the details of where to go and how to go. So 
after struggling through fall ball at MIDI and not being able to hang with some of the speedsters that we had on the team, they moved me to crease attack. And so it was great. It was, I got to travel as a freshman, which not many did. And so I made the traveling squad as a freshman. I didn't play too much. I did score in the Georgetown game which was great because we were at Georgetown and my name got in the Washington Post, which I'd been reading really? for most of my life. It was great. <laughs> you know, in the, in the box score, <laughs> but I still cut it out and had it on the fridge. You know, I'm sure I have that little piece of paper somewhere. But, uh, but yeah, we lost 15 to 5, but that's okay. You know, I still scored a goal and made it in the post. And so uh, I started as a sophomore through my senior year. And so played, at attack? Yeah, at attack, at crease attack. And so um, I got hit a lot. You know, we had, we had uh, most defensemen at the D1 level, of, you know, were and still are pretty big guys. And so I got pummeled all the time. I picked up a lot of garbage, you know, in front of the crease. Um, but, it, but it was a riot. I loved it, you know. And got to hit guys every once in a while riding, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and so – um, just absolutely loved it. Absolutely so who are the, some of the boys that you played either with or against that we might know? Right. So what's funny is everybody at the Air Force Academy goes on to serve in the military, and so none of those guys really ended up in the, you know, I think it was the MLL at the time. Um, you know, probably the guys, and, um, you know, the guy, like I said, the guys that I played in junior high with in Baltimore were probably the the – the best group. Um, like I said, Danny Radeball was a classmate of mine, ended up going on to Maryland. Um, he had an older brother, Sean. He had a younger brother, Tucker. They were all just phenomenal lacrosse players. Uh, f good friend, Brian Reel. <laughs> I remember when Brian broke into his, his dad's uh, quarter stash. Remember the old silver quarters? They were all, you know, and, and he took $33.75 in quarters, and we went down and we bought a new head because his stick had broken, and his dad found out that he had taken all these silver quarters out of the stash and about lost it, but, <laughs> but Real had a new stick. He, he played at Hobart, and actually we ended up scrimmaging them out, but, you know, most of those guys I haven't stayed in touch with just based on, you know, the deployments and the movements that we've had, um, and really I've, I've stayed better touch with my, with my college buddies. So You mentioned you saw a, what you – thought was maybe a coaching difference, right, between the boys who, you know, maybe grew up and played in Baltimore versus, you know, you playing a, and growing up, so to speak, from a cross perspective in Virginia right. once you got to college. Right. Is that what it's attributed to? I mean, you, the, the boys in Maryland were just getting – They know. And so uh, we see this here. And so, you know, at, at Houston Christian, one of the things that I'm trying to breathe into our team and our program is that lacrosse IQ, that lacrosse acumen. And, you know, as coaches, our, one of our goals is that uh, we set a criteria of, hey, if you see this, here are the actions that I want you to accomplish, and then here are the skills in terms of how you actually perform that, right? And so it's the same that we did flying fighters. It's, hey, here's a picture, here's a game plan, and here's the execution. And you just get reps, 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 reps over that. And so a lot of times from the first-person perspective, you can't always see that picture you can't see how you know the god's eye view of the game is flowing out you can't see those right. backdoor cuts you can't see you know we, we actually were just reviewing film as a team here about an hour or two ago uh, and we were looking at hey that second slide is coming because the first guy isn't picking his man up early enough and so the guy that's the second slide from the crease that's why his man is open because really that 
that snowball started at the top of the hill as someone not engaging, you know, at the midfield level. And as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, that's why there's a guy with a point blank shot, you know, on our goalie sitting on the crease. <laughs> and so you don't get that just by coming out and playing spring lacrosse. You get that by yeah. going and watching high school games. You get that by going and, and you know, or, or watching MIA games or, of the week or by um, really by breathing it, by being around it. You don't even necessarily get it by playing box all the time. That's the stick skills. It was Platt, I think, by the way. Uh, he's the Kingwood coach, right? Yep, and yeah. Jeremy. Yeah. And so it, it, there, there, were two, um, there were two things that he said that I loved. One of them in particular was, I, we need our boys to be able to catch and pass like they don't even realize that they're doing it, and then we need them to know where to go. And that is that lacrosse IQ, yep. and that's the lacrosse acumen, right? Where as a coach, when you're standing on the sideline, you're watching it, and you, you, know, you see a laundry list of, oh, this guy should be cutting down, this guy should be clearing out, et cetera, or, or defensive slides or whatever it may be. You can't bake that into someone's brain overnight. That takes – you know, prolonged study that takes, you know, just like, you know, so for me, my dad didn't play lacrosse growing up, but we would sit and we would talk basketball and, you know, we would talk defensive zones and man to man and slides and a backdoor cut. And, you know, a lot of the same positioning that uh, transfers over to lacrosse. I've, I've had that. It's interesting that you mentioned basketball because that's the third time in a couple of weeks. Um, Mike Staub, the coach down at Pearland has a theory and his theory was, the reason we're, all of us collectively as coaches, lacrosse coaches, are struggling with that lacrosse IQ with our boys is because there's not enough pickup basketball games. <laughs> you know, when you're, when, you're playing, when you're a kid out in the front yard or in the cul-de-sac or in, in the driveway or whatever playing pickup basketball, when you make that pass, you, you make that cut or that back cut, you don't even think about it. Right. It's just what you do, right? And his theory is there's not enough of that going on, so we're losing. That's not a, that's not a lacrosse IQ. Right? That's just an athletic IQ thing, right? And I think um, was it a week, week and a half ago when we played Episcopal, and uh, I was lucky enough uh, to, to bump into Donnelly before the game, and he and I sat out on the field before the game and talked. And I think he brought that up too. Hmm. Said something to the effect of, hey, these boys just aren't playing enough basketball. Right. right? I thought that was a really interesting observation. Yeah, the – that's a whole other podcast or maybe a yeah. whole other series in terms of <laughs> athletic development and should there be one sport athletes or multi-sport athletes or, you know, is it the athlete maybe is the one that actually can play multiple sports. But I do know that some of the players on our team that have the most natural understanding of how to fake a shot and then drive around are guys that I've seen do it on the basketball court that know what a backdoor cut is, you know. And so, I, you know, I was in the Air Force for 24 and a half years plus four at the zoo. And, I, you know, I always had this, this dream. You know, it was funny for a fighter pilot to say, yeah, my dream was always to be a high school lacrosse coach, you know. And, but, uh, <laughs> but it's true. Isn't that hilarious? So, so uh, but, you know, what, kind of the plan that I had it was, hey, I'm going to be a varsity lacrosse coach. I'm going to be a freshman basketball coach, right? And so the idea would be, I'm going to nab a couple of those young men. That's that, a solid that, plan. Right. <laughs> now, let's have to talk to Coach plan. Crandall. He's here. He's got a pretty good program. Actually, he's got a great freshman basketball coach. But uh, and I've, already made the, I've already made the play. I've already told all the kids. I'm like, I got a spot for you. And they're like, you're crazy, old man. Plan. You're crazy. So when, um, 
When did you finish up at Air Force Academy? 95. 95. So, right. So, um, four years there. It's, it's uh, kind of the only option that they provide. Uh, graduated in 95, uh, stuck around for a year. Uh, with the lacrosse program. And so, so what, um, what does that mean, stuck around for a year? Right. So I was a grad assistant for um, almost through the whole season. And so um, I had a pilot training slot that I'd gotten. Uh, the way that it works, at, the, at least at the Air Force Academy, is depending on your order of merit, uh, you get to drop a dream sheet and say, hey, when I get out, I want to do X, I want to do Y, I want to do Z. And for me, it was pilot training was, you know, at the top of the list. And so, um, so I got one. I was lucky enough to get one. And then they come down. I had, a, I had a friend who played hockey actually at the Air Force Academy as well. He was from Alaska, from Anchorage. And uh, we, we go, hey, well, when should we sign up? We got to both the same base. It's this Euro-NATO joint jet pilot training base. It's like everybody comes out that as a fighter awesome, pilot. sounds awesome, right? Oh, it's macho. <laughs> it's all these Europeans. It's so great. And so, so, uh, so Twams and I were like, well, when should we go? When should we go? They're like, well, there's spots in September, beginning of November, you know, January. And we look at each other and we go, how about we get season passes to Vail and go at the end of April? He's like, that's a great idea. So we did. So, so we got, I didn't expect that. Oh, it was great. It was great. And so I got to stick around, um, and, and work out with the team. Uh, help coach the team. So what, um, what was your role that year? You know, so I, I worked in the athletic department, and so I got to, I got to coach uh, physical education for the cadets. And so I was an assistant coach for golf, tennis, and weightlifting. And then in the afternoons, I would help with the lacrosse program. And so, you know, the guys on the team is a one year out. They're not going to listen to you too much. Right. Um, but, but that wasn't my responsibility. You know, I, I got to see recruiting for the first time and see what that's like and, and just the challenges of that, uh, especially at a service academy in terms of, you know, threading the needle with a, a young man or, or, you know, for the women's sports, the young ladies that have, you know, the intellectual capability, the physical capability, you know, and uh, the competitive nature to be able to be successful at the Division One level. And so that's a small – I mean, that you're shooting – you know, you're shooting – a. a the eye of a needle there. Did you, in, in that experience, that recruiting experience, did you find that the, the, the different service academies pursued different regions? Yeah, I mean, did, did was an Air Force kid, an Air Force kid, an Army kid, an Army kid, or did you find that the service academies were competing for kids? They were, but, you know, uh, most of the time, Navy and Army would win, you know, just because they're closer to home for most of those, you know, hotbeds. Um, you know, we had kids from uh, Long Island, upstate, uh, Baltimore, Philly. But then we had a kid, you know, from uh, Chicago. And we had a kid from Minneapolis who actually picked it up at the preparatory school, just one of the best athletes that I know, um, who picked it up and worked so hard that he found a way eventually to stick around and make the varsity squad. And so... Um, it's it, it's very diverse. I mean, it's great to see what lacrosse has done and how it's, it's expanded over the years. And, you know, it's funny. You go to some of these places to see rankings. I think Alaska is the only state that you can't click on. All the others are hyperlinks, right? We got 49 hyperlinks. I think even Hawaii, you know, I think there's some lacrosse out there somehow. But, um, but you know, back in the day, it necessarily <coughs> wasn't around. And so, anyway, I stuck around and uh, and – 
and helped coach, um, helped recruit. Um, I didn't travel. They didn't take me on any of the traveling stuff. And then by the end of March, uh, I got on the road, went to pilot training. How, how much was that year, like, legitimate lacrosse coaching experience? I mean, was, it, was right. there really X's and O's and oh, genuine definitely. experience that you picked right. up from that? Yeah, mo you know, mostly uh, – you know, mostly behind the scenes. And so seeing how, hey, how do you prep for a practice, right? Because I'd have been a user, so to speak, or right. a customer, you know, for the, um, I don't know, can't do math in public, but, you know, uh, 12 years of playing lacrosse before uh, that time. And so being able to see, hey, how do you plan that? You know, what does it look like in terms of shaping a roster? Okay, how do you look two, three, four years down the road in a program and say, where are our holes? What do we need to specifically be recruiting in terms of capabilities that we need to bring into the program? Like anybody will accept, you know, an All-American midfielder, right? But, um, but if he has a 2.2, you know, and um, has, you know, maybe not even a 1,000 on the SATs, it's going to be hard for him to – hack thermodynamics, you know, uh, and I mean, that's not a slight to the individual. God <laughs> has blessed that young man with, yeah, you know, yeah. lacrosse skills and, 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 you know, there's something down the road for that guy that's going to be different than, you know, being an engineer in the Air Force or being a pilot or something along those lines. Did, so. did, did that year of coaching, is that where you kind of solidified in your brain, hey, I'm going to be a coach? Or did you know before then, and that was just kind of like, Right, icing on the cake. I don't. I don't know how else to, to sure. ask that question. Right. So um, there's a whole set of events. I won't go into detail that really had me questioning if I actually was going to go to pilot training. L long story short of it, uh, a dear friend of mine had passed away in a plane uh, crash, and as a uh, as a believing Christian, I struggled with, hey, could I hit that red pickle button and terminate someone's life and potentially seal their eternity. These are big things for like a 21-year-old to be thinking about. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, so there was a thought of, hey, maybe I don't even go fly. I do my five, and I jump out, and I, and I go back, you know. And really what I wanted to be uh, was a Young Life leader. So this is a – Young Life's a, a non-denominational high school outreach and uh, was influential in my life when I was in high school, when I was a knucklehead lacrosse player. You know, there were people that were investing in me. And so – um, so that was the plan. It was actually a Jewish rabbi that kind of talked me into staying in and serving. And, uh, and so this guy was great. And, uh, and so, and I'm glad I did. So, um, you know, I, I didn't really know what the plan I, I, I was. I got to ask. Well, so, so <laughs> how, did, how did you end up, how did, how does the, the Air Force Sounds grad like joke, lacrosse right? player end up in a bar with a Jewish right. rabbi? Well, yeah, it wasn't a bar. It wasn't a bar. It was a lecture hall. But uh, I am coaching a Houston Christian. But, uh, right. So, yeah, fighter pilot and a rabbi walk into lecture hall. We, uh, uh, you know, I'd just been asking a lot of questions, you know, and dealing with that and, you know, some some eternal questions in terms of what that looks like. And this rabbi, I kind of explained it to him and asked, you know, what his thoughts was. And he looked at me and said, well, Travis, that's a very interesting question. He goes, do you think God wants Christians in the Air Force? And I said, certainly. Of course he does. He goes, well, then why not you? And I went, I'll buy it. You know, and so thanks, Rabbi. You know, and I can't even remember the guy's name. I remember where I was standing. I remember where really? we were. Yeah, he was the base. So, so the academy has um, a spiritual pillar, you know, just like uh, every military installation. And so they'll have a priest, and, you know, um, usually um, uh, Protestant um, chaplains. And then every once in a while, depending on the size, they might have a rabbi or they might have, um, you know, one of the other 
um, uh, you know, smaller religions that are represented actually on staff. But yeah, he was great. It was great. So anyway, I said, yeah, all right, Skippy, let's go. And so I, I uh, jumped in the truck and drove down to Wichita Falls, Texas and pulled the cord on a, you know, on a, on some fighter jets or some fighter trainers and started flying down there. No lacrosse, by the way, in Wichita Falls, so Texas. So that, that year that you were coaching, that grad year or graduate assistant yep. or whatever, whatever it is, was that the last time you've been no. involved in lacrosse? No. Okay. So, uh, so when you, at that point when you moved on into the Air Force, there, there was still more lacrosse down the, there down was. the pipe. Okay. N- not a lot. And so um, – you know, so I go to pilot training in Wichita Falls, Texas, no lacrosse. I go to F-15 training. I get an eagle out of it. It's great. I go to F-15 training in the Panhandle of Florida at the time. This is um, August of 97, zero lacrosse down there. Florida State didn't even have a club. I was, mean, it was, was a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Was it – I mean, were you just consumed with your career at that right. point? Or was yeah. it just okay. – I was. And so yeah. really it's, you know, when uh, – so you're flying every single day. And so you'll have about a 10, you know, maybe 11-hour day. You might fly twice. Uh, you go home. You chair fly, which means you, you rehearse. So just like I talked about in terms of there being a picture of something that you see, coming up with a plan of what you're going to do, and then executing that. And in flying, it's left hand, right hand. It might be some finger, um, um, you know, trigger squeeze or, you know, m- manipulating different controls that are on the stick and throttles. That stuff you have to rehearse a lot to be successful. And so, so through pilot training, it went great, uh, but, it, but it was a lot of work. Through F-15 training down in Florida, same thing. Didn't have time for coaching. Wasn't uh, really volunteering for much of anything. In pilot training, I volunteered as a young life leader. And so um, I had some time to spend it with kids, but there wasn't a lacrosse stick in the greater you know, Wichita Falls County. I don't, know, I don't even know what the county is, but... Um, but then my first assignment, my first operational assignment, I get stationed to Alaska again. It's so, <laughs> so what year was this? That was uh, I got to Alaska in February of '98, and there was right. nothing. I mean, there's you're talking thousands of miles away from lacrosse, and so uh, you know th- there were other things to do um, when I was up there. Again, I volunteered with Young Life. Um, um, you know, played sports, played different sports, but there wasn't too much in there. It wasn't until I uh, got married, moved back to Florida again. Nothing there. Uh, we did, Amanda and I did six years in Florida, two different bases, both in the panhandle of Florida. Uh, and then we moved to uh, Dayton, Ohio. And so Dayton, Ohio, in the summer of, it was May of 06, I show up and I'm, I'm uh, the, the Air Force is great. Most of the military uh, will send officers to professional military education and you get to go get a master's. And I was at the Air Force Institute of Technology and lacrosse was very similar at the time in the area as it was in Vienna, Virginia, circa late 80s, early 90s. And so it wasn't, hadn't been ratified as a sport, you right. know, but there were clubs. And so I got on with the team that year and we coached them up and actually took them to the playoffs for the first time. I was an assistant. You know, there was an older, actually retired Air Force guy who was there coaching and had a blast and just fell in love with it. Did I, you – were you playing at the same time no. or did it spark an interest in playing I'd, again or no? You know, I uh, – I, it, it didn't as much. You have a stick in your hand every day when you're at practice and so that's fun. But, no, I, I, I was never part of a men's league. As a matter oh. of fact, the only time I really played – 
Uh, I went back for my 20-year reunion, and we played in the alumni game, and it was a riot. I had a blast. The only bad part is that my brain knew what it wanted to do, but my feet and my hands weren't fast enough. And so I, I caught, I went straight to the crease, <laughs> which is perfect for an old man, just to plunk, you know, right down. He's like, all right, boys. And, and, and the Air Force does it great. They have the odds and the even years matched with different odds and even years of the alumni that come back for the games. And so it's a pretty even team, and it's actually a decent level uh, that you get to play. Um, and, and so it's a little, it's definitely slower, you know, than the D1 level. But yeah, three three shots on goal right in the goalie's chest. I mean, I couldn't you couldn't put a bullseye any better and just plucking them off. And my buddies are laughing. They're like, just like the old days, Coke. Just like the old days. So, so but that's really the only time that I'd played. Um, and you know, uh, you know, flying the whole time. Uh, we get back from there. We actually well, just real quick about in Dayton. So that was 2006. What yep. age group was that? High school. It was high school. Yeah, it was oh, great. Wow. Yeah, it, Centerville, uh, there, there was a club. Centerville Kettering had a club that they had together, and, and, and it's exploding. I mean, it's great. Um, and it was, there was some good lacrosse. There's good athletes everywhere, right? Uh, but, but the level of lacrosse, Cincinnati wasn't too far. We drive down, we play Cincinnati teams. We drive over to Columbus. There was good lacrosse over in Columbus, and we, we played teams over there. And then there were a few clubs that were in Dayton. And so um, – you know, that acumen hadn't built. It hadn't become generational in the area. But right. there were young men that uh, had a passion for the sport and they could fit in. You know, one great thing about lacrosse, I, I've always felt, you know, especially at, you know, whether it's youth or it's the high school level, most every kid can find a spot to play. <laughs> it continues on through D1. If you don't have any wheels and you show up on a D1 program, guess what? They're going to put you on the crease. <laughs> but uh, even, even at a younger age, and we, we see that here, we have a lot of freshmen that came out this year, which was great. Um, but, uh, you know, finding a place for those guys to play, um, it, lacrosse actually affords that. And so, yeah, it helps maybe to be 6'4 and 230 pounds. We saw a bunch of those guys from Episcopal yesterday. But, uh, uh, but you know, most teams, uh, shape, size, you know, if you can develop stick skills and you know where to be, just like Jeremy talked about, you know, there's going to be coaches that are going to say, yeah, um, I, I got a spot for you, buddy. I, I can, I can tell you. you where I want you to be. Yeah. yeah, 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 <laughs> right? yeah. The, so was it just the one year that you were coaching in Dayton? Yeah, one year coaching there. Um, what was your role there? Uh, just as assistant coach. Okay. I didn't even really coach the JV, assistant varsity coach. But it was a riot. It, it was an absolute blast. And so that, you know, was part of kind of this, you know, we've been married for 19, it'll be, it'll be 20 years in November. And, you know, Amanda had heard that. She knew that. She knew that what I'm doing right now has been something I've always thought about. She, she's been pretty good, too, because she called me out the other day. She's like, hey, you know, you've been dreaming about this for, I know, more than 20 years. You never dreamt about the beginning of the Disney movie. You know, you only dreamt about the end of the Disney movie. And so it's like, you're right. That's the truth. You're, you're smart. <laughs> you're pretty. So I know, so after date, I know you went, a little bit about the end of your career in the Air yeah. Force. You went back to Alaska. Got at one to point, Alaska, right? yeah, and that was four years. We were not expecting that, but that was the last four years. And so, yeah, John, you know, was uh, w you know one and a half when we moved to Ohio. So, um, you know, we always had fiddlesticks around the house, and uh, he can cradle, he could throw, pretty decent, but um, you know, just hadn't really lived anywhere. Got back to the Panhandle of Florida. I got a guy I played with, Duke Pope, who's a, a great, great, great long uh, stick uh, defenseman. Uh, grew up in Annapolis. I went to Severn High School, I think, in Annapolis, played at the academy, served in the Air Force for 20-something years, ended up throwing anchor down in Fort Walton Beach, and was is one of these patriarchs 
uh, of Florida lacrosse, you know, at least in the panhandle. And so, um, so Duke was down there, but that was an hour drive, you know, from Panama City, almost an hour and a half. And so we'd go over and we'd see some games from time to time. Florida State had a team by then. Uh, Jacksonville was not, you know, where it was. But we did some time down there. Uh, went through Alabama for a year and then back up to Alaska for the past four. So that's way more information than anybody on the podcast so really wants it, to hear. Any chance that when you went back up to Alaska, there was lacrosse there at that point? No, still. Like I said, it's, you know, <laughs> this last time we were there, there's probably 13 lacrosse sticks in the state of Alaska, and five of them were probably in my garage, you know, and, and that's okay. Um, there's about, you know, we play baseball for, there's, you know, it's just short. It's very, very short seasons. Um, there's not a ton of indoor facilities. So the model that, um, you know, Kiernan was talking about could work. It just hasn't, it hasn't sprouted there. Right. Um, Alaska is also very transitory. And so whether it's military, whether it's the oil industry, you know, people are coming and going. And so yeah. there, there, there's finally, I think, people that are settling up there long term. But, you know, um, but, you know, but we'll see. We'll see if it grows. It'd be great. One of the hangups, even, even, even for, you know, basketball, football, is you're traveling. There aren't a lot of towns in Alaska. You know, right. Anchorage only has 300,000 people. Yeah, and so yeah. there's seven high schools in Anchorage. And then the next, you know, big – you know, the next big one is Fairbanks, which is an eight-and-a-half-hour drive in the middle of winter. It's just hard to get to. And so logistics up there are a challenge. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we thought here in Houston we had a lack of density, yeah. right? That's yeah, fine. <laughs> it's great. Exactly. I think it's great. When you were in the Air Force, were there at any of the, the, the bases where you were stationed or, or, or was there – Air Force lacrosse? I mean, were, were guys playing games, or was there organized leagues or anything at, at the bases? Mm, no, not not on base, not on base. And so, um, you know, they're more—I don't want to call them mainstream, but you know, flag football and 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 in emeralds, you know, are you know for older people, um, you know, I would consider lacrosse slightly an outlier, you know, just in terms of the people that make that commitment right. uh, to it, you know, um, even. You know, fast pitch baseball would be another example. I'm like, yeah, that's out there for you know people post college that maybe aren't professionals, but you know, it's just not the density again maybe that you see. Um, now, even though I wasn't coaching lacrosse, I coached my entire career, and so um, you know, starting at the Air Force Academy, coaching different sports. I mean, I've coached everything that the boys have ever done, even in Alaska. You know, coaching basketball, baseball. I was a ski coach for a couple of years. We had a hill right on the base. Well, and, and so, I mean. You know, I don't need to tell you this, right? But I, mean, I, I take a lot of what I do in my professional life and apply it directly, sure. right? So you've got that in spades, right, from from your professional life. So it, it applies directly to what you're doing with the boys. Well, sure. So and and not even, um, you know, not even lacrosse. I've been an instructor pilot in F-15s and F-22s, you know, for about, you know, 17 of the 24 years of my career. And so an instructor pilot, again, you get rep after rep after rep after rep, whether that's in a brief when you're actually flying or most importantly when you come back and you watch the debrief of what you did and you say, okay, this is what we said we were going to do. Let's take a look at what actually happened and let's get to a root cause and understand what the difference is. Is, that how, is that how you coach the boys here? I don't know if I do it consciously. Um, I, I do know the merit of that system and how that works. Um, but I don't know if that has, 
you know, become as comfortable as stick skills uh, need to be for some of our players just in my coaching um, techniques. But ideally, yes. And so, you know, for every player, you bust out a grease board and you give a God's eye view and you say, okay, Billy, I need you to go here. Donnie, you're going to go this way. Um, you know, Fred, cut, cut around this way, set a pick here. That's a God's eye view. But again, that's not the first person view that this young man sees. Right. And so that's why you do drills. That's why you actually do that on the field. And you say, we're going to go here. We're going to go here. We're going to go here. And so, um, again, nine weeks in, I don't know if I've developed that battle rhythm to say, okay, was the mistake that we made here, was that something that you saw that you didn't quite understand? Was it um, actually you knew what you were supposed to, you know, you, you saw the picture, you, you hit the criteria, but then you decided maybe the wrong plan. You right. had a bad idea, <laughs> and, and you executed that bad idea flawlessly, but it was a bad plan, right? Or do you go, nope, you knew what you were supposed to do based on what you saw, you picked a good plan, and then we just fumbled on the execution, or we dropped the ball, you know, on the execution. You said you're not doing that maybe consciously right now, right? But do, do you, and, and again, this is where I'm sensitive because we both started as the season was starting practically in our roles, right? right. It's not like you had a lot of time leading up to the season to go, okay, this is what I'm – this is – I'm a genius. Right. I've read all the no. books. This is what I'm going to do, no, right? No, that's not true. Do, <laughs> so do you think – Leading in the next season, that is that something conscious? You're, hey, this is this is how we're going to evaluate film. This is how we're going to implement what we see on the film. Right. right? I mean, do you, do you think there's going to be a conscious, more conscious decision next season? I, I I do think that there could be a stair step approach of getting to that PhD level of debrief of what we're doing. But turns out, if it's catching and throwing, if you're struggling with that. I mean, I mean, it sounds silly. No, it's but, dead on. But, so, you know, so it's something as simple as catching and throwing. And so my, I know some of my boys actually might still be listening. And, and so, you know, what I say is, hey, we catch and throw. We have to use our legs. And I'm not talking about the power that we use our legs. But just because they see somebody 35 yards away doesn't mean we have the skills right now to make a 35-yard pass consistently. And so, again, what do they see? They see somebody 35 yards away. What's their game plan they choose for that, for the second? They right. go, well, I'm just going to chuck it. <laughs> There's a chance that that execution is perfect. He can really catch the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, both ways. You know, and I mean, we, have, we have boys who can throw you know, 30, 35 yards, no problem. But, you know, marrying two up at the same time. So, hey, what do they see? They see somebody 35 yards away. Okay, what's the plan that they decide? They go, well, you know what? I'm going to run closer to him. And hopefully the guy on the other end who wants the ball sees the 35 yards, and he goes, you know, I got a plan here. I'm going to do a V-cut. I'm going to try to get open for this guy, and I'm going to run closer to him. And now, in the execution, that 35-yard picture that we started with turns into a 15-yard picture. And then we know what to do with a 15-yard picture. Right. We do it in stick drills all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so, sure, if you say, is that system in my coaching skills? Sure, maybe. I'm not consciously thinking of that right. be just because – you know, we're, we're talking wave tops right now. We, we, we might get to that second, third order of effect of where we really need to get into the nitpicky. But, um, but right now, hey, we're focusing on fundamentals. And so, you know, are we, you know, there's someone open. What's the plan? Well, let's slide, let's slide to the body. You know, that's the good decision. Okay. 
how did we do that? Did we break down? And, and that's some of the technical skills that, you know, whether it's right. footwork or whether it's stick work or, you know, I see one kids hanging the stick all the time. You know, we had this young man. And, and so, you know, have his stick vertical. He did an inside roll and he actually put one past the keeper. And it was great. It was like this little victory where I was like, yes, perfect, brother. Exactly. I actually filmed him the other day. These, you know, phones we carry around our pocket are great awesome. because you can tell a minion, hey, man, you realize you're doing this? Oh, whatever, coach. And you go, okay, sounds great. Beep, boop. You know, you turn the little video yeah. on, and you're like, hey, come look at this. And they go, oh, hey, you're not getting both hands down when you go for ground balls. Oh, uh, whatever, coach. You know, and so that's great. We just watched film, you know, for an hour, and we said, you know, every turnover, what do we got going here? Okay, again. And so there are levels of that that we can get to as coaches, um, but – we're, we're, you know, we're, we're on top of the iceberg right now. We haven't even looked underwater to kind of see what's and you're, down there. So I, I think hopefully I can mention your new role. Sure. Yeah. So when you got here, when I got here today, you, were, you, you told me about your new role here at Houston Christian, right? That's right. Which is exciting because you're, you're so clearly a teacher like through and <laughs> through, right? So when I think of the, you know, the Pete Marins and the Mike Donnellys and the Jeremy Platts who are just like teachers through and through, right? Right. I mean, I feel like you're cut from that cloth, right? So, you know, to tell me a little bit about your, your, your new role here. Sure. So um, Houston Christian is a um, college prep school. Um, it's been around for a little over 20 years, um, but it's a, it's a Christian school. And so uh, in about 2006, um, one of the things that the leadership decided to do here was develop an actual leadership curriculum. And so that's called Passport to Lead. And so um, the curriculum here, I've, I've been, as uh, this morning, announced this morning, I've been asked and, uh, and, and I will be starting in the fall the director for the leadership program here at Houston Christian. And so it's great. I can't believe it. I mean, just the timing of everything in terms of getting out of the Air Force, getting back here to Houston where our family is, uh, getting John into this place, and then not only the lacrosse team. That doesn't happen. You don't walk into a city and get the reins of a D1 right. team without, you know. And so, man, what a gift. It's been a real a real treat and real pleasure. And I'm following, uh, you know, the coattails of uh, Colonel Tom Wilson, who's been here, um, started the program in 2006. He, he, was, he was here before that. He t initially taught geometry, but was 30-year colonel, retired. Um, came here and uh, started teaching. Um, and then in 2006, started a leadership program that really focuses on uh, five different dimensions of leadership. F all freshmen are uh, mandated to go to what's called the personal dimension of leadership. And so they focus on character. And they, uh, biblically, it, uh, they take a look at, hey, who are those leaders in the Bible and how did they work? Um, that freshman class is mandatory for all of those guys. They can also start a program uh, where they actually get handed a passport that has um, dozens of practical application tasks that they can do, whether that's um, being the president of one of the clubs, service projects that they're doing downtown or with their church, um, tutoring events, being a captain of a sports team, et cetera, where they're getting actual hands-on leadership. So there's a combination from the curriculum that now it's a sophomore, junior, and senior have an elective program that they can take. The... Um, 
that is solely a leadership curriculum. So I'll be responsible for that curriculum. Uh, I'll be teaching those classes, and so I'll teach most of the upperclassmen. Um, it's pretty slick classes. They, you know, the seniors are developing business proje uh, projects where they have to do, you know, number sheets. They have to find venues that they do this. They do all the marketing campaign, and then oh, they pitch cool. it. Similar to Shark Tank, they're not looking for money, but uh, we have a, a number of people that Colonel Wilson has set up that come in and, and receive, um, you know, these presentations from these young men and women that are just spectacular. And so they follow it through all four years, and um, it's pretty impressive. I'm really excited to be a part of it. And, you know, I listen to Mike Donnelly's podcast with you. He's like, I'm in heaven. I get to hang out with these kids, be in the school, see the boys, you know. And it's so where it's at, man. I can't believe it. I can't believe <laughs> it, and uh, very happy to be a part of it, and very happy to be part of Houston Lacrosse. So it's great. Yeah, it's exciting. What um, I, I got to ask, we, we were joking beforehand, and we were talking about this an ongoing discussion I had with Kieran and some of the other folks in the, in the area, and I'm, I've kind of reached the conclusion. I'm, I've been around Houston Lacrosse for a long time. The, not, I mean, what, 12 years, whatever it's sure. been. Seems like a lot longer than that. And I've, I've got all kind of uh, wild opinions. And during all the governance discussions, I finally arrived at a spot where I'm like, I, I just don't, don't know if governance cares. Right. Just give me a field with some lights and some balls, right? Right. Is I, I know you haven't been here very long, right? But have you formed any opinions, good or bad, about Houston lacrosse yet? Oh, there's great. I mean, there's really good lacrosse in Houston. <laughs> we've seen some of it, you know, but we've been on the losing the end, receiving of end of a lot of good lacrosse. <laughs> uh, you know, and we have we have uh, we have we have good lacrosse here too. You know, I mean, um, well, there's history here. There is right, right, and so you know, Pete Laley, like I said, has been you know just a treat. To visit with, um, I think it was a couple years in, and, and they they went to the state championship for D two. Um, you know, I, I can't really speak to what the recent history has been, but um, but what I'll tell you, looking around, there is really really good lacrosse in Houston. As a matter of fact, I, I met a kid at Woodlands, Donnie Rocks, who's going to the Air Force Academy next year. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. This kid, he's got wheels. He's got a right and a left. He's playing midi. He's got a huge smile. I don't realize, you know, I don't know. We're supposed to catch up at some point. I'll be like, buddy, you have any idea what you're about to walk into? You know, but he's going to do a great job for them. I mean, you know, there, there's lots of kids that are, you know, uh, you know, Coach Tennell is doing a great, great job up there. And what's funny, and, you know, I, I hear you talk about these things like why. Like what are we seeing that's worse? What are we seeing that's not you know, is it the space? Is it the governance? Is it, you know, what I'll tell you, what I, you know, in, in my two minutes that I've been here is when young men and women start playing lacrosse at a young age with some people around that care enough about them to teach them how to catch and throw and where to be, you develop some talented kids that can play lacrosse. And I've seen it. I mean, we, we have it. And and it's getting it's getting baked in up in Kingwood. It's getting baked in and the Woodlands, uh, you know, right here in town, you know, at Episcopal, you know, some of these schools. Houston Christian doesn't have a feeder, right? But SBMSA, you know, we saw a game they were playing before we played Stratford the other day, and it was great. There's young men out there, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and the junior high size difference is great too, right? And so, um, you know, I hear about um, – you know, the pickup games that you have and, you know, yep. hey, we need fields, lights, and refs. And, you know, we've, uh, I've met a ton of different referees and uh, great guys. 
you know, and, and a lot of them didn't grow up with lacrosse, but they're learning, and right. you know, and um, and so it's exciting. I, you know, I don't know what direction it's going. I, you know, I, I talk to parents, and you know, they talk about some of the concussion stuff, and you know, some of the other sports, and they see lacrosse as a potential contact sport with, you know, maybe not as bad of a track history or a track record. Um, but it's fun, and, and I'm really glad to be a part of it. I hope I get to stick around. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. See, I'm fired. And, so. and, and, and I, it's redundant because I talk about this all the time, right? But I'm fired up to see you come, and I'm fired up to see you fired up because whatever the big picture issues are, governance, organization, rules, whatever, man, they're not relevant. Right. Right? What matters is you get, and you, you mentioned it a minute ago with the younger kids, right? A passionate coach who's willing to dedicate, you know, time and effort right right to the sport and to the kids right that's what's going to have the impact that's what's important i i really i really don't care about who's in d1 or who's in d2 or how we pick the all-star team right. makes makes no difference to me man it really doesn't yeah it's because you don't have kids <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you don't have kids playing right that's why it matters i mean to a lot of those guys and and, and that's okay and that's important and you know i i think i got a, a, a mike drally is that right he uh, he's the rice coach. And, Ormsby. 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 Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, Mike Ormsby, is, you know, he sent me a note, and, you know, it's, it's not even on the list. It's more in a book. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, Texas High School Lacrosse League. I should probably read those bylaws because, you know, I don't know how it works. Thank God for Nancy Powers. She is my hero. She has saved my bacon. I mean, try to show up in January and not have a schedule. And then, th you know, thank goodness for the coaches that have been so supportive that said, sure, we'll play. I mean, it's been, it's been a wonderful community to fall into. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when it, you know, I heard you say something, and and you said, hey, you know, just ha you know, having a coach that invests in these kids, for me, you know, a record or um, a, you know, a tournament history, that none of that stuff is eternal, but the roster is, and so these young men, and you know, if, if there's women lacrosse advocates out there, these young men and women that we invest in, that's what's eternal, right? And that that's exciting, you know. Even, even here, for me, uh, I get excited about sport because I can understand. I mean, in a lacrosse, I mean, you can take a one-minute, two-minute period where you can be up, you can score in, you can have this great check, all these things, and lacrosse is so fast, within a minute or two, you're having to pull out lifelong traits like resiliency, like courage, like, you know, and then guess what? You're back on, you know, and you're, 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 and, and you're doing it with the team. And, and you're figuring out communication. You know, we have these uh, uh, C's that we will talk about here, compassion, competence, so understanding. That's just basic skill, stick skills. All, all of these things that we're teaching kids, I think it was, I can't remember, I think it was Jeremy, uh, that, that was the other thing that Jeremy said that I loved. We're teaching kids life. We just happen to be doing it through lacrosse. Right. And so I'm, I'm less concerned about, you know, the governance or any of those things and if we're baking it into young men and women, we're doing the right thing. And so um, how does that happen? How does that happen with lacrosse? Well, we need to get a little more deep with, you know, adults that can serve in that manner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's already happened. I mean, I know there are people out here, the people that listen to your podcast, guess what? They're already president for their clubs. You know, they're already we, – we have a team mom, Amy Wallace. 
I'm, I'm like, I have the to. Whole what's your favorite is... flowers? Because I'm going to get you a few dozen. Bob's like, easy there, fella. You know, but, <laughs> but she is a rock star. She just shows up with Chick-fil-A, like cases of Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I'm like, how is this happening? She's like, I got it, coach. Don't even worry about it. I mean, so there are people here that are doing that. Uh, you know, there are young men that are alumni of Houston Christian, and I know all these other schools. Heck, I just met uh, Dick, who's the uh, uh, JV coach, and he, he, you know, he was out at Katy. Um, Sebastian, who's out at, yep. you know, he's, he's, at he, Creek, yeah, yeah. he's, he's, yep. he's St. Thomas. So that second generation, and guess what? They're all having kids. And so these kids are going to grow up with lacrosse sticks in their hand, and they're going to grow up hanging out at practices, and they're going to grow up going to games, you know. And so I, I don't think it's a matter of if it happens. It's just a matter of when or, or the ramp rate. And, you know, are we spread out a little bit? Sure. <laughs> like one of the biggest cities in the country, right? That's okay, you know. I think that youth involvement has to be there. If we want to see long, yeah, you know, yeah. growth and in-depth, I think that youth involvement has to be there. You know, I, I root for, you know, that Rice-Baylor game on Friday night. I root for college lacrosse to be in the area for that buzz. I root, we have a young man who's a senior this year who's going to Baylor next year and never, never played lacrosse before. But guess what? He's an unbelievable athlete. He's got fight and vigor. He's been, you know, hitting the wall every day, half an hour a day. He can catch and throw now. Like, hey, Luke, man, you might be able to play at Baylor. Yeah, coach, maybe I can do that. You know, I mean, how exciting is that? This guy's never even picked up a stick. And so um, so it's fun. I'm glad to be a part of it. We'll, we'll kind of see where it goes and where the Lord takes us. But, man, it's, it's a riot right now. My wife will be like, yeah, you weren't smiling too bad the other day when you lost 17 to nothing. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but, uh, but it's okay. It's all right. Like I said, those scores aren't eternal, you know, but these young men are. And, it, and it's it's a treat. I can't believe they listen to a word I say. They're probably, I don't even know if they're going to start listening <laughs> now, but it's a real treat to be part of it. Some so. of the things that come out of my mouth at practice or in a game, and they're just, sometimes, you know, as a coach, right, sometimes something comes out and it's just, it's just dead wrong, right? Every, right. every once in a while, I was like, and the boys just kind of look at you, and so it's like, guys, I just, in those situations, yeah. just nod and ignore well, me, right? It'll be all right. Well, no, we can own up to it, you know what I mean? It's like, we pray every game, we pray before every game, and, uh, you know, we, you know, we pray obviously for the players, for uh, for our opponents. I mean, it's a gift that these other schools are actually showing up to play for the referees. It's a gift, you know. And, and, and one of the things we pray for is grace because all of us make mistakes, and, and that's me too. You know, I mean, we're watching film, and and uh, you know, some kid runs by and does something, and I pause it. And I go, "Hey, you know whose fault that was?" And everybody's looking around, and the kids kind of smiling at me. I'm like, "That's my fault," because I was saying, "Go all the way, Daddy. Let's do it. Go all the way." <laughs> so. Uh, so I mean, it's 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 fun. That transparency, they appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, these young men really appreciate when you say, "Yeah, I stepped in it." Yeah, I definitely, I definitely goobered that up. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When um, when do we play you? Uh, that is April second. If coronavirus is, come on, I know, right? come on, Michael. I'm excited. Well, this is one of, and I, maybe we've talked come on out to HC we April second, <laughs> Magnolia. We were trying to get to Sam Houston, but we'll uh, be there. We'll be there. Um. I, I I know I've said it to you before, but the the, the fee I don't I don't know who's responsible for the fields here. Yeah. The grounds crew, the fields here are awesome. They are. And, and the and the lacrosse slash soccer field slash field hockey field, um, it's one of my favorite fields. Mm -hmm. And it's it's always in great shape. But what they do phenomenally here is the lines are flawless. Yeah. They're flawless, right? Well, they keep drawing the twenty-yard box, but besides that, yeah, they're false, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's okay. I mean, they do, and it, it's a uh, yeah, it, it's a treat. I mean, you know, and, and I've heard you talk about this before about some of the differences. You know, we played the Woodlands, and I mean, it, it was it was a great 
place, but it wasn't on campus. Right. You know, and so it's nice having that in your backyard. I mean, we yeah, have yeah. four big fields here. I'd love to, you know, you know, it's a, it's a Wednesday night we're recording right now, and there's a church here that hosts a lot of events. And so I go, man, it would be really nice to be able to utilize these facilities. And so the administration might be hearing this for the first time. And so guess what? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask. I'm going to ask at some point. But What's the harm in asking, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's a gift. And um, well, the location's perfect, right? And I think we've talked about this too. Is you know, this area of town, every area of town, this area of town needs just a standing pickup game. Right. right. I'd love it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just Saturday mornings. I would love it. Uh, I have a ref. I have a ref jersey. I don't know if I'm gonna. It's close enough. <laughs> it's hard. Slow, man. I was slow in college. Can you imagine me now? I was slow in college. You should see me. So. I'm not. <laughs> not good yeah oh man we've been here a while i have no idea yeah yeah i have no idea that was awesome i doubt anybody's still listening but i appreciate it you'd, Michael. you'd be surprised yeah. you'd be yeah. surprised and, and, and then we got stationed in uh, blah, 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 <laughs> at langley air force base uh, you'd be surprised that was good i appreciate your time um yeah yeah michael and we'll go grab uh, we'll grab some coffee yeah, yeah, love. yeah cool. thanks for having me out yes, sir.